I, I was listening to Soul. Some people think in America that, that Africa was colonized because white people don't like black people. No, it's for resources. Week of D-Day. You know how many women were, French women were groped by the British and the Americans? 14,000. These were essentially resistance fighters. And when I mention this to the British, do you know what they say? PTSD. It's like the first day of the war. Don't you have to have gone through some months and years? Racism is only when they make me synonymous with my body. Uh, because you're black, you're not smart. Because you're black, you're this, you're that. They got rid of that racism a long time ago. Yeah. Now the new racism is... We're going to talk about your... So the Quran has been 1400 years. They want this idea of we've been wedded, unchanged culture for 1400 years. The Islam that you see today, the Islamization of the Middle East took place in the last 100 years. Mm. Iraq, the Shiaization of Iraq took place between 1890 and 1905. The more dominant cult aspects of Arab culture are our tribes, yeah. not Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like the music, but not where it came from. Yeah. But that's why they talk about culture. They want to talk about culture, but without what the f, f they're doing. Culture's a tiny thing. New questions every day. How's a brother supposed to sleep? Listen, I give younger books. Trying to educate myself as I'm running through these streets. There's no such thing as black and black crime. You can hit us in the DMs if you want the smoke. Pew, pew, pew. Not sure where the conversation's gonna go. Two did you do your research? Yeah, I wanna know. That's the life of a domino. It's the, the domino, domino effect. So to be honest, I won't do the whole intro thing because it's part three technically. Yep. Um, I'm Nathan, by the way. Sorry, Nathan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Arabic? What are you? Yeah, everyone thinks he's Arabic, <laughs> you know? What are you? Uh, Jamaican and Irish. Everyone thinks he's Arabic, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. To... All right. Don't get upset when I say this. Some people have thought I might be Jamaican at times. <laughs> Why would I get upset? But no, that's what I... Uh, no, because I, I, I think we might look a bit similar. But when I have the hair, thick hair, because I have an afro. Like it's not oh, the, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you look like you could be from the same country, I can't lie. Yeah. Pleasure, pleasure to meet you. I'm, I'm the cover supervisor. I'm not on a full-time contract. I just come <laughs> in just to cover for... Oh, before we start, listen. The Sarah Gray thing. Sarah Garvey? Yeah, Sarah yeah. Garvey. I'm still on Team Auntie, right? We haven't, we're not on Team Sarah, are we? Uh... I'm on Team Auntie. That's political because my hands are tied up. Oh, okay. I'm, like, I'm like Finland, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'm like Finland. I can't even speak. But what about uh, you? you can, what about, are you Team Auntie or are you Team... You got a mic there. You can use that. Okay, what about... That mic's on. Mm. Oh, well, he's, he's, he's saying he's got all the Insta stuff. All right, so I thought, okay. I'm team, I thought that video was the funniest thing I've ever seen in a long time. Which way? The, the auntie one or... The auntie one. I haven't seen the auntie one. I've seen the Sarah one. That is the funniest. Have you seen the auntie one? Have you I've seen, seen it? Anyway. I love Auntie. Though. Dude, dude. I need to watch it. She, she just... roasted the shit out of him. Oh, really? No. Only, I've only seen two from Sarah. Mate, mate, he got battered. Well, really? I've never seen a batter, even at high school. Even at high school, she went murder. What? What? Whose team are you on then? Team I'm, Auntie? I'm Team Auntie. Yeah. I definitely always had an issue with Sarah from day one. Why? And then as soon as he wore that black turtleneck with the gold thing, he was finished for me. Like, done. You can never come back. But, but what, what was your issue with him though? Uh, I, I always thought, I didn't know about the lip sync thing. I, I, I thought you lot would have Pan-Africanism like... I think he's yeah. a phony. I think he's like, I don't think I'm just, like he's talking about colonialism. If you're going to accuse Pearl of anything, it would be imperialism. It wouldn't be colonialism. Like, mm. You should at least learn the terminology. Mm. So it's like, why is he like, it feels like he's using this black thing as, as a way to make money. And then right now the payout, the, the asking people to send him money fuck right off, mate. Why are you cash? So he's just really, so on his page, He's just asking for everyone to send money to his cash app so he can fight Pearl. And it's like, bro, this is not, it's not right what you're doing. Don't use it for that. Like establish something and like, this isn't colonialism. I don't think you understand what colonialism is. 30%, 70% split, that's not colonialism. Like you really don't understand how business works. Like, that's, might... the one, that's the one thing I've said on both sides, even though, okay, I don't really want to speak because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am Finland on mm. this. But the one thing I've said, and I've said publicly to everyone, the one thing, whether it's an imperial or colonial mindset, whatever you want to talk about, one thing I don't, I don't agree with is slavery wasn't a choice. Whether you enter into a deal or not, that's not beneficial. And you think it's getting shafted is out of your own free will, yeah. just not work with them. The, the whole idea of globalization and this capitalist structure that we live in is the big guys are going around fucking the little guys and it's down to the little guys to either do something about it or just get fucked. Yeah. And that's just, that's just business. So that's life. If, if yeah. Pearl is that, then every corporation or SME or even SMEs, forget even big corporation and conglomerate, 
is is imperialistic but, or colonial. Well, it is, but but for us, capitalism, the highest stage of capitalism for, since the Boer War, literally the Boer War, since from eighteen ninety seven to nineteen hundred, that was the end of the last form of capitalism. And since nineteen hundred to this day, we're in a form of imperialism, mm. unchanged. Un, it changed. The program changed. Colonialism is part of imperialism. It's not bigger than imperialism. Well, for our listeners, distinguish yeah. what did what, what we're going to go into it. But in the, oh, okay, uh, uh, no, we really are, uh, are going to go into because we won't be able to understand what's going on because after the Second World War, imperialism shot right through. But we have to spend time on imperialism, so so that's why that we'll, we'll get there. Okay, fine. so we're not going. to... I didn't know we'd start, but that's great. <laughs> no, that's cool. So leading it into part three. All right, uh, we won't do the big intros because it is a part sure. three, so everyone knows who you are, who's tuning in, right. and this is. A, a continuation of the uh, sexual revolution. Yeah. Um, there's a few people you wanted to discuss in terms of roof and etc. Um, so yeah, bringing it back. Yes. Sure. Is there anything you wanted to come kick it off to start? Uh, I want to kick it off with something that has nothing to do with this podcast. Uh, okay. Uh, because because Daily put up a post about North Korea, I'm gonna have to slightly correct them on a few issues. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> you know, this is how he got on the show the first day. Like, I made a comment about <laughs> like, well, categori- categorically, you're incorrect. This reason, this reason, this reason, this reason, and this is why I'm wrong. Like, ah. You know, when I looked at, it, I was like, ah, bang to rights on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so go on. Okay, so North Korea cannabis completely legal, available in the supermarket. I think the price of a kilo is less than a dollar or two. USA has imprisoned 10.2 million people in the last 10 years alone, over 50% of those black. Life expectancy in North Korea is 74. It's 77 in the USA. The North Koreans have a GDP per capita of $1,000 per person or less. The Americans, $60,000, $70,000 or more. 74 is the life expectancy, 77 for the Americans. Literacy for the North Koreans, 98 to 100%. This is from Amnesty International, who wrote a damning report about North Korea. But if you look at the statistics and ignore the rhetoric, you you come across a very different story. The USA, richest country in the world, 79% of American adults are literate. 21% of adults in the US are illiterate as of 2023. 54% of adults have a literacy uh, below sixth grade level. Okay? North Korea, highly civilized cultured people with little to no crime. USA and UK think men can have babies and think also that North Korean schools train their students into propaganda. I mean, the difference is ridiculous. North Korea excel in humanities and the arts. The West, UK and USA, the CIA, CIA and British intelligence control arts. Uh, highly ethical and respectful people in North Korea. The Americans and the British not necessarily known for that. 26 million population in North Korea, less than 80,000 incarcerated. That's 0.32. I'm going to use the today's numbers on the USA, even though they're not correct. 505 incarcerated per 100,000. Just using that number, it's almost double that of the totalitarian North Koreans. Uh, 21% of inmates in the USA experience sexual assault, while 7% are graped. Mm. Obviously, that's not going to happen with us. Well, I mean, I'll say, you know, some of this is a very US focus because I haven't got the Mm. statistics here. But I don't think the statistics from the UK would be as damning. Oh, they're bad. In, oh, term, yeah. in terms of grape, in terms of literacy. Oh, not uh, literacy. Uh, we're a little bit better than the Americans. You, yeah, the, that's what I was the standard of our literacy has gone down the last thirty-four years. Uh, yeah, and we're catching up on every indicator. When I think of like there's certain areas in like say let's say Detroit in America where it's like destitution. Like in the U- in the UK, I'd like to say like. Yeah. Even a Grimsby isn't that bad where they just police just wouldn't go and it's just generational just fucked. You know, it, I mean, I mean, I don't know England as well, but I would say like if in the 80s and 90s, Moss Side, I mean, actually the worst estate, I, I came with one of, the, one of the famous ones. It was Havelock. It was Stonebridge. They were genuinely dangerous. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, but they weren't massive. Uh, South Acton was was dangerous. I grew up there. I was just dangerous. Like, but I'm saying about their little... Pockets, po- pockets yeah, whereas yeah. I'm saying like You're right, yeah. in, in America, like going going to South Central LA, forget about it. That's like a whole massive. Yeah, that's route, true. Yeah, yeah. Route, like, I don't and and another thing I'd say is in terms of grape, yeah, in jails, UK jails are homophobic. Yeah. And a large reason for that is because life isn't really life here. 
Whereas in America, life is life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't think, I haven't got the stats time, but I don't think some of these would be no, that, damning for the UK. Okay, that, okay, I completely, but what I'm, all I did was I compared supposedly the least free country in the world to the most yeah, free. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, fair And I feel like we win. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah fair. If you don't want to get graped, join us. If you want to get graped, <laughs> go to the USA. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, so the North Korea thing uh, ties in Oddly enough, with what we're talking about, because what I'm saying is that the West is uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the last two to 300 years on a propaganda campaign, the likes of which nobody has ever seen. And, and now we're going to pick up this propaganda campaign after the Second World War has just ended, right? Mm. So we started off with Kinsey. Kinsey starts off in the 1930s, right? Mm -hmm. And what we said about capitalism was about the type of liberal capitalism that the British and the Americans practice is that they're very, um, they're very controlling, but at the same time, they're very permissive. And the permissive aspect is they want to experience the things that are outside their system that they don't like so that they can form an immunization against it and then appropriate it within the system. Mm -hmm. I gave the example last time of Che Guevara, right? Mm -hmm. When you first wore Che Guevara t-shirts in the 60s, you were going to be put in prison, you were going to get beaten up, and it was a threat to the system. Even Fidel Castro, like, now he's like a cult hero, if you, they think it's cool. Right, but in those days, if you like Fidel Castro, the British intelligence services would be following you, mm -hmm. right? Whereas today, capitalism sells you that t-shirt, you buy it, and I can go into Harrods, I can go into Selfridges, I can go to the Ministry of Defense and there'll be no problem, right? Mm -hmm. So at the first experience capitalism has of these new things that enter it, it, it doesn't know what to do with it, it's frightened but then it learns to immunize itself, appropriate it within the system, so nothing outside the system can exist to challenge it, right? Okay. So, in the Second World War, there was a massive problem, and the massive problem was this. The, the essentially, the British, uh, with Churchill, uh, had seen that it was in their interest, in their imperialist interest, to... Um, see Germany and the Soviet Union fight each other for as long as possible, using up all of their resources so that by the time they left, uh, the conflict had ended, both of them were so incredibly diminished that the Americans and the British and whoever else could mop up what was left around the world in terms of colonial imperial power. So in the Soviets uh, are attacked by the Nazis in 1941. It's the most horrific attack uh, that's ever been in human history. That month is destructive beyond belief. Almost 50% of some of the, the fighting capacity of the Russia, of the Soviets is destroyed. And they were a backward country, uh, medieval in many respects, no industry properly uh, to deal with. So that destruction was not going to be uh, overcome very shortly. Now, everybody expected the Soviets to collapse against the Nazis. The Nazis put up 80% of their power against the Soviets, a medieval force. In the first month, almost 50% of the air force had been destroyed. Tanks destroyed. Uh, airfields, after airfield destroyed. The Nazis are about 50 to 60 miles away from Moscow. If they'd gone in a month or two after their initial attack, and take, they could have probably taken Moscow. We don't know, but it looked like pretty likely Moscow would have capitulated. What the Soviets had done was, instead of going to protect Moscow, which they couldn't have done, they went and protected Leningrad. Leningrad is an incredibly important, uh, incredibly important strategically. In 1812, Napoleon himself tried to mount an attack against Russia and control it imperially, but he needed to get past Leningrad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, there's a pass near Leningrad that he needs to get to, but he didn't manage it. So this has always been the issue. This is why the Soviets and the Russians are constantly saying, yes, this is the end of the border of our country, but we cannot allow the nations that are, the, the states that are on the borders of our country to be anything other than neutral or as part of our sphere of influence. If they are not part of our sphere of influence or absolutely 100% neutral, we will absorb them and we will take them. So is this why like the whole Finland joining NATO is such a major thing? Right, so Finland joining NATO is exactly the precursor to the Second World War because Finland in 1938 was armed by the British, was armed by the Americans, was armed by the Nazis. They fought on the Nazi side. So the Soviets were fighting the Finnish Nazis from 1938 
That's really when their war against the Nazis began. Mm. Now, at that time, the Americans and the British were happy. Let the Nazis kill the communists because they wanted to destroy the communists. The communists are the big threat because what communism does is it nationalizes the resources. It nationalizes corporations. Yeah. So German banks in, uh, had, in t uh, had about 20 to 30% control of the Russian economy before the revolution in 1917. Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank, uh, Siemens was in Russia. Uh, all the massive European contractors were there. The British banking system had complete control of Moscow as well. This was the issue. So it was a loss of territory and it was a loss of market, which was unacceptable to the imperialist. That's not how the globe works, right? So they took so they took Russia out of the system in 1917 of the global system. They started to fund the, uh, the proto-Nazis in Finland from the 1920s onward. Churchill was one of them, right? They had a war with the fin Finnish over territory in the 1920s. So the 1938 against Finland starts. And as usual, the Soviets do terribly in the first year, horribly, right? They get absolutely crucified by the Finnish. By the second year, they get better. Uh, they, they learn which techniques works against them, which... Uh, uh, and which tanks work best, which strategies, and what have you. Then the Nazis come in 1941. Right. The Americans and the British meet with Stalin. You know the famous meetings in Potsdam? You've seen them, ever seen them meet together? Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt? No. So they met a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Potsdam meeting... Well, oh, how did... Well, because they were at war with the Nazis. So they had to come and they could see, and the Americans could see how effective the, uh, the Soviets were at holding the Nazis back. But they just assumed that the Soviets were going to capitulate against the Nazis. The Soviets had begged the Americans and the British to form a pact, a military pact against the Nazis. They knew how dangerous the Nazis were. But typical, just like they're doing now with Ukraine, they went and fed and supported the Nazis. Bandera in Ukraine. Okay, so they kept telling, don't mess around with this. This is too serious. The Americans were, don't worry, the Germans will take you in one day and then we'll discuss with the Germans how to split Russia up because Germany was still part of the imperialist powers. Yeah. Right. Now, Stalin does well, the Soviets do well, they fight back. Now, not only do they fight back, they destroy the Nazis, even though it's 80% of the, of the Nazi forces aimed at the Russians. 20% is aimed at everybody else. The British and the Americans are doing nothing, right? So what Stalin had done was it begged the Americans and the British, please open up a front on France against the Nazis so the Nazis have to fight on two fronts. So they can't have 80% of their military against us. They have to disperse. Then we can come through and we can destroy the Nazis and we can end this. Well, you know how it worked. The British and the Americans says, you know, go suck your mother, as you like to say, right? They said, go suck your mother, right? They thought they're very clever. Okay, the Holocaust happens. They say, go suck your mother some more. Anyway, what happens in 44, uh, 43, in 1943, the Soviets turn it against the Nazis and start to beat the crap out of them in, uh, in Russia. By 44, they've destroyed the Nazis so far. They're now making the biggest run in the fastest run in human history of claiming land and territory. They take up all of the whole of Eastern Europe. All of Eastern Europe were essentially slaves to the Western powers, the Prussian Empire, which is Germany, the Hungarian Empire. So when the Soviets became prisoners of war in the Second World War, 6.2 million of them, more than half of them were killed by the Nazis. If you think white people think of Africans as the N-word, you have no idea what they think of East Europeans and the Russians. Historically, it was them who, who was their slaves, not the Africans. It was the East Europeans, the Romanians, the, uh, uh, the Romanians, the, the Polish, the Russians, okay? Now, the Germans had an, an, an idea called Lebensraum, okay? And their idea, and it was explicit, and it had it for over 150 years before the Nazis. It's part of German identity. This is why the Nazis are in a sense, the Germans are better than British imperialists. They're honest. Lebensraum is the idea that we need more land for the Germans. And we're going to go into Eastern Europe and we're going to take that land. We're going to live there. We're going to grow the food that we need and we're going to take the resources and we're going to kill whoever we want because we think these people are lesser than us as human beings. Now, when the British and the Americans are taken in as prisoners of war, 
the amount who are killed are less than 2%. Over 50% for the Soviets, uh, less than 1% or 2%. This is what you have to understand. The turning of the, of the world into an N-word is what Western imperialism does. There's no bigger N-word in history than the East Europeans and the Jews for the West. Mm. It's not Africa. It's not Africa. Africa shows up late into this. And Africa was never colonized. I, I didn't know this until I, I was listening to Seoul. Some people think in America that, that Africa was colonized because white people don't like black people. No, it was for resources. It was for resources. That, that, but that's why when people always talk about, ah, oh, I hate religion because religion creates war. Oh, I hate this because it creates war. I'm like, no, it's always money and resources. Yeah, yeah. The, there may be scapegoats, but when you look at a gripe, it's always for money and resources. Like Because otherwise this... When they say it's for to stabilize a country, okay, but what about these other countries you destabilize? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. about the, these these other countries that have the same problems that you just chose to ignore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sorry, continue. No, 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 at all. Okay, so, so, uh, so the so in forty four, uh, the Soviets have completely turned the war against the Nazis. The Nazis, in a sense, have lost. Mm. Now, this is when everything changes. Forty three, forty four. The Americans and the British did not expect the Soviets to do well. So you all know about D Day the British and the Americans crossing over. Well, it's too late to cross over. The Russians, the Soviets had already defeated the Nazis. They were just going slowly, defeating them one by one across Eastern Europe and then collecting up all the territory, mm. right? The British and the Americans were like, wait a sec, we're going to lose all this territory. The French, while under occupation of the Nazis, the most powerful party and group, the Communist Party. It's not going to be the Liberal Party. The British aren't helping the French. The Americans aren't helping the French. The only one fighting against the Nazis are the communists. So the center of Paris essentially is communist. Mm. The resistance fighters, all communists. Oh, la resistance. Yeah. Mm. Jean-Paul Sartre, not really a communist, but because he wants to be Mr. Popular, had to join the Communist Party. Mm -hmm. Jean-Paul Sartre. Do you understand what a big deal that is for the French? Their number one guy. Because that's what he was. An intellectual, like, he's the number one guy. What we have as the queen here, that was the king, Jean-Paul Sartre. He became a communist, right? This is a disaster for the Americans and the British. So they quickly cross over and uh, make D-Day, even though there's no need for it. Do you know in the first week of D-Day, you know how many women were, French women were great by the British and the Americans? 14,000. These were essentially resistance fighters. And when I mention this to the British, do you know what they say? PTSD. It's like the first day of the war. Don't you have to have gone through some months and years for PTSD? Yeah. Anyway, so 14,000. Do you think the French liked them after that? They hadn't helped them. They'd screwed them over. And they come in and they grape them on the coast. What do you think the British and the Americans do when they get to Paris? What do you think the British and the Americans do? And by the way, the Soviets had gone past Berlin, but out of kindness and politeness, they were like, oh, we'll stop at Berlin. And you're like, you've got to stop at Berlin. We have to split it all. And the Stalin's like, we just beat Hitler. We're, everything's cool, right? Everybody's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We have a bigger problem with you than we did with Hitler. Hitler, the issue was that guy wanted some percentages of the colonial territories. Mm. This guy wants to take markets away from, glo uh, from global capitalism's control. You're much more dangerous to us, Stalin and, and Soviet Union, than the Nazis are. They go into Berlin and the West German side, uh, the, the Berlin was essentially for the first year given control to the Americans. I'll send you an article from Der Spiegel, the German newspaper. Over 200,000 German women were raped by American and British soldiers in one year alone. What do you think the Brit American soldiers did in Japan? It's famous. Millions and millions. But were raped by... By the American military. South Korea. How many women were raped? How many women were put in farms that were there for the American military to go and access whenever they wanted to? At least 100,000 of that. But how many million were raped? Over a million at least. Right. Nobody really likes the West. In Europe... Communism is the most popular thing in the world because what we're selling is they managed to take Soviet Russia, for, uh, 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 the Soviet Union from a medieval era 
into the modern world in 20 years. With, with them fighting wars as well. So they're like, if we get through peace, what the hell are we going to get? Uh, average hours worked after the Second World War uh, in the Soviet Union, 26 hours. The cost of rent, less than 5% of your wages. The cost of food spending, less than 10% of the money that you earn. Yeah, that's better than a capitalist country. Transport free. But then because people started to abuse transport, they put in a nominal fee. It didn't cost you anything, but you can't just abuse it. Mm. Anyway, if you, you finish schooling, you want to go do a PhD, that's free. Uh, and so on and so forth. So the Americans could, and the British, all they had to do was compete against that. Well, we're not going to do that. We're going to destroy you, right? So what they started to do was go through this, after the second world, a massive, massive propaganda campaign. And the propaganda campaign is always, and the thing you have to understand about West, is always tied to an economic program as well. The economic program, anyone know what it's called? It's called the Marshall Plan. No idea. Okay, so after the whole of Europe was destroyed, after Japan was destroyed, mm -hmm. right, the idea was that the European powers and, and the Soviet would work together. American Britain came up with another idea behind the Soviet Union's back. Um, instead of working with you, the guy who actually, the guys who actually helped do this and put all this together, what we're going to do is behind your back, we're going to go rebuild the uh, fascist powers, Germany and Japan with the very people we just kicked off and we're going to use them to fight against you again. So Germany, the first thing was to take control of Germany, essentially put in the, fasc the former fascists and put them back in power. Japan, put in the former fascists back in power. How many members of today's Japanese cabinet have said that Hitler is their uh, greatest idol? How many of the current cabinet in Japan, their father or grandfather was part of fascist Japan and have explicitly said that they think Manchuria, that's Chinese land belongs to them and that they want to return to fascist Japan? That's four today, right? Japan is a militantly fascist state. You know, what you made me realize everything, when I learned history in the English curriculum, they actually just taught me entirely incorrect. Like it's not even remotely. Like what you're saying to me now is just completely new to me. This is not even remotely what I've ever been taught through. And this. I can tell you the proof as well, yeah. Mm. And the other thing was, I when I was going through school, I knew it was false. So I, they, I got kicked out of class. I wasn't allowed in history class for a year. That's what they'll do to you. How did you know? Wait, sorry, yeah. The one thing I clocked when I knew things were wrong, this was before BLM. I was always big on black history. I remember I told you before, like when I was a kid, I found out about Malcolm X and my brain is worked weirded to most people. I remember being like, must have been like maybe like eight years old, going on Wikipedia and reading for eight hours on Malcolm X. Like I could just read that. Yeah. So I was deep into black history even from young because my mum always made me very aware, even though she's not black, she made me very aware that I was black. Um, but I remember asking one of my history teachers, like, oh, you're teaching us all about the choosers, Victorians, all the shit that no one gives a shit about. But when do I actually get to learn about black history? They're like, oh, no, we don't teach it. We only teach it to you at A-levels. And even then, it's an optional model that you have to pick. And I was just like, well, that's not very right. So I just knew. And because that was more modern history than the choosers, Victorians and yeah. Henry VIII. I was just like, oh, this is a bit weird. Yeah. And that's when I knew. <clears throat> beard guy members, they've been connecting beards since 2019. Yeah? What did I say to Tommy when he first came? If you look at his book, beardless. If you look at him now, sexy. Do you get me? That's what beards do for you, innit? So if you want to grow your beard, keep it nice and moist when the gallum come around. Look, Valentine's Day is coming and the girls love to stroke up a beard. Yeah? Make sure to invest in beard gang members. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. How did you know? I, so, so, I, so, I, I, so my, so I really, the one, the, the one thing I have an issue with that, that I, 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 I struggle with internally is, like I, I told you, when we first came here to this country, we were rich, mm. but we lost all of our money in the first year because we got robbed by, because this is why I don't understand when people think of Nigerians as like fraudsters. I mean, come live in London, right, with money. You, you'll lose that quicker than you would in Lagos. No, we, we talked, but you never actually explained why, why, how you got robbed. Well, I mean, so, so, so this is, the, so like, I, I, so I'll, I'll just tell you about how the game works. So what the British and the Americans do, they'll go start a war. Like, let's have a look where they've started wars. Syria, Yemen, Iraq, Libya, all of the elites from those countries who have money, they get up and leave. Where do they all go? It's London, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
right? So they all took out the 20 million that they had. Now that money was not cash, that was wealth, invested in capital and making the money, yeah. and, it, and it had it for generations. They cash everything out, they leave. Al-Qaeda's in Libya, nothing is worth anything anymore. They take all that 20 million and they come here. That's gonna go in a year or two, unless you know exactly what you're doing. So, uh, in order to get uh, citizenship, you have, you're now you're gonna have to start paying barristers. A barrister's hour is 500, 1,000. Yeah. Then the barrister's gonna send you to a lawyer. Then the lawyer's gonna send you to a solicitor. Then the solicitor's gonna, bing, and all legal, mm -hmm. right? Now that got done twice in a year. Now we had a solicitor steal 150,000 pounds from us in 1986, and we ended up having to pay her for the next 10 years. When you don't know the system and contracts, mm. right? They get you. And I, of course it's our fault, but nobody knew in those days, right? It was a new community, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. But again, like if you go to Lagos, if you go to Lagos with 20 million, or if you go to Lagos with, uh, or if you go to London with 20 million, you're losing that 20 million faster in London. And not because the prices are more expensive. Mm. They have professionals here and it's legal. Yeah. And it's legal. So right? how, how did you know? Uh, so how did I, so, yeah. so, so what, so uh, I'm sorry for the long story, but th yeah. I'm trying to set something out, right? So. So I was kind of with a rich family. I'd been around rich people. Then about the age of five to six, we have nothing. And we go straight to an estate. So that means I've got no, like, I'm like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? I, had, I, was like a, I was like a happy boy. I had, you know, my clothes and all of that. And all of a sudden, every time I leave the house and I've got a smile on my face, someone wants to kick the crap out of me. I didn't understand what the situation was, yeah. right? So by the time I finally figure out this new life, the one thing I learned is I can sense danger, mm. right? Which is the one gift that the street and the hood gives you mm. is you can sense danger. So by the time we get to high school, I'm 11 or 12 years old. I'm like, I can sense danger. Mm. This is danger. This isn't right. And I was looking around at everybody else. And these were all my mates that I hadn't like separated off from my mates yet. This is like, what they would do is they would like go to sleep. They would switch off. Now, when you face danger, it's either fight or flight. Mm. Our colored guys use flight. Mm. We're cowards, we're weak. That's what it does. We get this feeling of like something's not right. And I've, I've, I've been in a classroom, mainly colored dudes, not even girls, just colored dudes. My school was like that. Everyone shuts down. They either act out or they go to sleep. And that's what this education system does to you. And I look left and right, I was like, no way these mother effers are taking me down like this. Mm. I'm not going down like this. But isn't acting out fighting? Huh? Isn't acting out fighting? Isn't acting out fighting? Isn't acting out of fight, what does that mean? Like you said they act out or they... Or... No, no, but that's what I mean, but it's a fear response. So acting, acting out is fine, but it's acting out, but they're not aiming it back at the thing that's injuring them. Yeah. They're gonna aim it out at another colored dude. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Right, but yeah. they're not yeah. the one... Okay, now I get you, cool, yeah, yeah. I'm following you. Now. So that's why, I, so, so, so I, I know I'm gonna jump a little, I'm, I'll come back to this. No, because that's what I, but now yeah. I understand what you're saying. Right. That's why, do you know who Huey Newton is? Black Panthers? Mm -hmm. Okay, Hugh, my hero, you gotta know who Huey Newton is. Yeah, 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 I know. No, he's the G-man, Marxist-Leninist. You know, Black Panthers were all communists, right? Yeah, yeah. They loved, they loved Castro, didn't they? Well, you know, and China. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, 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 Huey Newton, uh, has been two years in China. We have one, Fred Curley. Yeah, Fred Curley, yeah, yeah. poor guy. Uh, but Huey Newton, if you have a look at what they've done to him on Wikipedia, I looked it up last night, they've just turned him into this horrifying, they me too him. Yeah, After he died, anyway, but he's a hero. So what, what Huey did was he worked with the worst of sort of black criminals as a Marxist-Leninist, because what he saw, and, and this is one of the things that, that the roadmen that we have, that's a better response. Like that rage that you're feeling, I at least aim it back at the system. I'm not saying it's the right response. That's not the one I mean, but what, what Huey Newton realized was like, look, whether what they're doing is wrong, but there's something about the spirit that's right. And if we could channel it, Mm. If we can use it within our own systems, yeah. this will be good. And that's why Huey Newton was able to work with gangsters and thugs, get them into the system, tell them what they're all what we're all about. And then he was like, listen, let's get everyone who's black, who's a black panther, to do open carry, mm. open gun carry. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that did to the white people? Yeah. Uh, you don't need guns anymore, everyone. Uh, forget about guns. So it was the right wing guys and the left wing guys who all of a sudden said, we need gun control. Yeah. That's why for us, like the best way to sort out the problem, like in the USA with guns, is to make every black man carry a gun. Legally. Uh, Go get it. An open carry where you can and conceal carry where you don't. They'll change the laws in a second. Uh, and we know this. We know this with Huey Newton. We know, we saw it. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, the reason why I can understand why you'd say that is obviously when you look at um, when in the 80s where they flooded um, the streets of crack and they did the whole war on drugs, um, it was all really like private equity firms wanted to profit off the imprisonment of the black man. So you're just like, you know what, let's do, let's flood them with drugs. We know they're going to get hooked on drugs and let's criminalize it to another degree so we can just incarcerate more of them in prison. So in terms of genders pushed, obviously we'd like to say now that maybe the, the, the West is moving away from that. But historically speaking, from a historical standpoint, the US have always uh, sought to profit off marginalized groups. Yeah. That's capitalism. All right, so, so that's Huey Newton. So you can see what the good, uh, what, what communism, the, the news of communism had got out of the Soviet Union, it reached the West. Mm -hmm. So you got the McCarthy witch hunts, okay? They come out. 1954, the law comes out, make, making communism illegal in, in America. The problem everyone has is that, is that the USA, after the Second World War, had 60% of the world's GDP. Everybody else had collapsed. So whereas before the Second World War, there were multiple uh, imperialist powers, after the Second World War, the USA is the number one imperial power. They do this thing called the Marshall Plan, which is we're going to rebuild the whole of Europe with our money, right? First of all, 95% of all of that money, the Marshall Plan, went to American contractors. Yeah. Mm. Number one. Number two, have you ever heard of Len Lease? No. No. I said, hey, aha, baby, I got you. Anyway, uh, so Len Lease, in the sec, I just, you just made me happy, sorry. Uh, Len Lease, Len Lease is a law that comes into being in the Second World War. The Americans are humanists. Whatever I, no matter what I say, I want everybody to know that the Americans are humanists. Everybody else is not. But humanism, humanism, is, is an American thing. So during the Second World War, everyone's getting killed. You know how Americans are upset about the Holocaust. It really upsets them. Mm -hmm. So they're like, we'll send you weapons. We'll help you out on, one con on two conditions. First of all, everything we send you is on credit. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Uh -huh. You didn't know this. Every piece of military help the Americans sent the British and the European was on credit. Do you know when the UK finished paying back its debt to the USA for its Second World War debt? 2003 or four. In 1954, when the Queen became Queen, uh, when the Queen became a uh, coronation, she sent her most important economist, John Maynard Keynes, to Congress to ask for them to annul all the debt because the UK had gone, we'd gone bankrupt. And by a state going bankrupt, we were not able to pay our bills on time. And when you can't pay your bills on time, your credit rating goes down. The price of the credit. Yeah. So it was going to cripple the UK, which already was crippled. She so sent John Maynard Keynes to Congress. Only two irrelevant members of Congress would meet with him, which is an FU to the UK. So they use credit to destroy these imperial powers and give them control over all of these states. And you can't, this is Lend-Lease, like use Wikipedia. The other thing was, you know the weapons that we give you that you pay for full price? You're paying full price for this baby, paying full price. And that's to be a nice little cheeky profit for the companies as well. This is what war's about. Fine, no problem. But also, not only do we now have control of essentially of your banking system, because now we control the money, baby, where it goes and who it goes to and who delivers it. What we also want is you're going to give us land in return. Land. That's why if you, some of you are too old. American uh, servicemen, military, American military bases in the UK, they took that from us from the Second World War and they took it. At the same time, in 1941, when American intelligence makes its way over into the UK, American intelligence starts to share uh, uh, intelligence with the British, and the British start to share intelligence with the Americans. This is the beginning of the Five Eyes program. Now, the Five Eyes program in 1941 was a sharing of intelligence between uh, the UK, USA, Canada, Australia. I forgot another country. I can't remember. Canada, Australia, what? New Zealand. No, no. No, is it? USA, UK, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. And there's nine eyes, there's 14 eyes, there's 29 eyes. There's so it's kind of like G7, G20 to G10. This is different. Okay. The G7 is an industrialist and the, uh, all the monopolies get together. That's one thing. 
the um and it's complete and it's as nations meeting together the problem with this and why it's such a disaster is it the intelligence services working together mm-hmm. not under the control of one government who's controlling this you've got five countries the usa controls the british banking system after lend lease it's got land coming out of its backside. They've got military personnel all over the place. They control the culture, right? The intelligence services now get overtaken by the American, the British uh, uh, intelligence services now get absorbed into the American intelligence services. So when the Americans don't get what the British want them to do, mm-hmm. guess what they do? They go to GCHQ, go tell your friends in the Guardian the Independent to say this and this and this. It's a way for the Americans to bypass Parliament. It's a way to bypass, you know, basic sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So when the Amer- so I'll give you an example of this today. You know Huawei, a mobile phone company, mm-hmm. right? So GCHQ did uh, two year, a year and a half investigation on Huawei. Yeah, they're that banned from selling to the UK now. No, no, they was they got passed. They spent two billion pounds. It was passed. The head of GCHQ said, there's no way that the Chinese can access uh, any sort of vital information that is a threat to national security. It came out. Do you know who was president at the time in the USA? It was Trump. Trump yeah. As soon as Biden becomes president, as soon as they launch what's called the Indo-Pacific strategy, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to refer you to a Kremlin site. It's called the whitehouse.gov. Kremlin. Mm. It was a joke. You never laugh at my jokes. I find it very upsetting. All right. Okay. Kremlin, right? Whitehouse.gov. If you call it, it's called the Indo-Pacific Strategy. You can just read it. It's six to seven pages long, mm. right? It's telling you as soon as Biden got into power, we're now going to go into war with China. Yeah, and uh, funny how you reference it's actually a .gov as well. So it's not even some <laughs> pot shit yeah. website. It's actually, yeah, sorry, go on. It's actually on the White House. It's called the Indo-Pacific Strategy. As soon as they came in, they, uh, Biden said, listen, this isn't like Trump. If you work with China, you're our enemy. Forget about it. Any country that borders China, we're now going to go in, we're going to destabilize, you're going to have your own internal wars, and you're going to have to go to war against China, which is exactly what they did after the Second World War. What was the wars in Vietnam, Korea, and all of these other countries on the border of China about? What was Tibet about? Sectarianism. Sectarian, that's what they say. But it was a war against China. They're doing the same play, the guys from Cambridge, Oxford and Harvard, the same nonsense they did in the Second World War, they're doing it today. All right, so Second World War, the Americans have control of everything in Europe, it looks like. There's this this pesky academics and intellectuals who happen to live through the Second World War and happen to see that the Soviets were much better than what these goofy liberals were offering and no colonialism and no imperialism. We didn't have to steal and kill and we can live a decent standard of living, right? So obviously the Americans didn't like this. The problem the Americans had, and to a lesser degree the British, is that most of the world think of America and the UK as not particularly intellectual countries. We tend to think of them as as empty. These people are empty. Their culture is empty. Nobody thinks of America as having a deep culture. Mm. Right. So I told you in the last time we spoke how the Americans faked having real art through the CIA. Uh, the modern art, uh, modern art is a complete uh, psychological operation by the CIA. It's, it's not real. Mm-hmm. They created this art to pretend that America had real culture and that they were free thinking people. The reason why they had to create it is because it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a free thinking people. They don't have art. They are incredibly shallow. They become shallower. So Andy Warhol is not real. I mean, Andy Warhol's not an artist, no. All Andy Warhol is is a well-known man with connections to other well-known people. Okay. So so if a black man with other black men in, I'm trying to think of an area, lots of black people in life, in Elephant and Castle did what Andy Warhol did, nobody would care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody would talk about it and nobody would write 200 books about it. Yeah. It's because he's a bang average, mediocre white man, very short, right? Who is connected to other well-known white men and women. They say crazy things and we go, oh my God, these white people say this white guy is amazing. Whereas I'm at the back screaming, no, he's a nothing. And you're all going, he's bitter. That's how that works. Yeah, yeah. If uh, you look at his uh, art, you can 
But you think it's art? No, I mean, if you look at his art, you could take that from, because I feel like what Andy Warhol has achieved in terms of artistically, when you look at art throughout history, it's not the most impressive, is it? Well, I, no, no, I disagree with that. What, what, Andy Warhol's not impressive. Yeah, yeah I agree yeah, with that. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh, so, so, so the big issue was to, to go and destroy all the communist, uh, thinkers who were dominating the academy at the time after the Second World War. Mm -hmm. So what they came up with as an idea was to support and sponsor all the, uh, all, all the thinkers who, um, you know what, there's no point talking about this because we don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. So I might as well talk to you about a quick thing which relates to this. So in 1954, the FBI is actually very good and the DOJ uh, at uh, destroying all communist action in the USA. They're actually very good at it. So by 1954, 55, very little communist uh, activity in, in, in the USA, but, but activity which is a threat to the USA itself. But what they did was they just had this massive machinery that tens of thousands of people desperate to you know, spy on something and spy on what have you. So do you know what they used the architecture of McCarthyism to do? They used it to spy on the civil rights movement. Mm. 50 to 60,000 informants for the FBI alone. There are 16 uh, intelligence agency services in the USA. But isn't that how Fred Cur Curley got fucked up? Because yeah, yeah. He, he was destroyed from within a CIA agent who pretended to be one of them. But what I'm trying to tell you is that every black group is always infiltrated by the West. That's why anything that comes out crazy from black groups, we always say, guys, watch out. This is CIA, this is FBI, this is NSA. It's not paranoia. We have the biggest program uh, they ever did was uh, COINTELPRO, COINTELPRO. It started in the, the late 40s, early 50s, and went on into the 1970s where they, and this is another program, and this is a program with five American intelligence agencies where they, all when it infiltrated, not just black, uh, but listen, why I tell you about the civil rights movement, Malcolm X wasn't part of the civil rights movement. He was outside the civil rights. The civil rights movements were the people who were saying, we're gonna go in with inside the law, change the laws to make life more amicable. Yeah. There were people outside saying to hell, like Muhammad yeah, Ali was yeah, not yeah, a civil yeah. rights activist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was against civil rights, right? He was like, listen, no, we need our own nation separate from these people. So there were other, there were other people. So, but they went and infiltrated 50 to 60,000 informants just for the FBI alone, for the civil rights movement, the guys who are following what the American whites wanted them to do. If you go against them, they'll hate you. But if you follow them, they'll hurt you even more. That's what you don't get. There's no winning. Submitting will get you screwed faster than fighting back. So what's the solution for the individual? Well, the solution is, is right there in North Korea. If we just give you an example of North Korea, and this is why they mock it. North Korea should be the worst example. I should never be able to use North Korea as an example, okay? The life expectancy of North Koreans is 74 years old with a GDP per capita of $1,000 or less. Nigeria, GDP per capita, $2,000 or more. What's your life expectancy? Oh, I know it's got the youngest population. So I'd say like 50. 50 or less. Yeah. That's not a human number. Mm. A life expectancy of 50. That means the majority are dying. I mean, about half are dying less than 50. Which one is the bigger disaster? Nigeria. Nigeria. Bigger but what do we talk about? Jollof rice. And that's another aspect of how race works. What they want us to do is they want, just very quick, I know this is, I'm gonna be selfish. I'm just gonna use this time for my end, okay? Listen, something about race that you guys don't know. What they're constantly trying to do is corner us into positions that we don't know anything what to do with. In the old days, it was very clear, particularly with the black man. Take the black man and make the black man synonymous with his body. Mm. All he is is a body. Uh, 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 Eddie, Eddie was talking, it was a, uh, a white woman saying how much she likes big black dicks. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's quite normal. Uh, athlete, a sex symbol. Mm -hmm. Right, I mean, imagine, like the guy has an MA, the guy has a podcast, he's a grown man. Of all the million things that you could talk to about this dude, you're gonna talk to him about his dick? Mm -hmm. No, but it's not even a, but, but that's what in a sense they might, so that was phase one of racism, is turn the, black, the colored man so he's synonymous just with his physicality, right? Now, 
What they did with step two, and this is after the Second World War, and what a lot of you aren't sensitive to is, is like, oh, racism is only when they make me synonymous with my body. Uh, because you're black, you're not smart. Because you're black, you're this, you're that. They got rid of that racism a long time ago. Yeah. Now the new racism is, we're going to talk about your culture. Now, some of you might not feel it or hear it, but this is the racism. And I'll show you how it works really quickly. Okay. Uh, if we want to go for, okay, Jollof rice isn't a good example. Uh, uh, if we wanted to go for Kung Pao chicken, mm. what would we say? Let's go for Kung Pao. Let's go Chinese. Let's go Chinese. Yeah. Okay. If we want sushi, uh, sushi is not a good example. If we want uh, curry, if we want, uh, that's Indian. A, we go, we'll go for, uh, for an Indian. Okay. If you want a burger, which is American, what do you say? I want a burger. I want a burger. You don't say let's go for American food. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Have you ever said let's go for American food? No, never. Okay, fish and chips. Does anyone refer to it? Hey, let's go get some English food. Nah, fish and chips. Okay, what, and it's just a very simple thing. What they do isn't part of culture. Anything that we do is part of our culture. The, so is that for good or bad? So now if we go do something fucked, it's part of our culture. But it's not just that. It's This is the new... Before we were completely synonymous with our bodies, now when they look at you, to understand you, they don't have to engage with you. They have to go pick up a book to explain your culture. Like, I'm right here in front of you. Forget my culture. Mm. I'm right here in front of you. What it tells you is their idea about you doesn't exist, isn't upheld by you. Yeah. It's in the book. So if you, as a colored man, don't assume the three or four positions that they've given you that you're allowed to as a Nigerian man, guess what they do? Move along. I'll find the Nigerian man that complies, the one who does tell me jollof rice when I want him to say jollof rice. Yeah, basically, basically that leads to the, the bigotry manager. Like, oh, you're right for a colored one, mate. Like, you're not like the rest. No, but that's fine. Mm. So you're right for colored folk is fine. He's still trying to figure stuff out, mm. right? He's still, I'm telling you about the least racist white person you've ever met is doing the racism on you. The, the new thing is instead of tying you to your body, it's tying you to your culture. Mm. You are a systematic being who can be explained away by something that's behind you. Yeah. Before it used to be your body, now it's your culture. But I challenge you on this. Go on, please. You know, you're familiar with Hofstede's cultural dynamism, dy dynamism, yeah? Who? Hofstede. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, his cultural dynamism where he's like masculinity, femininity, uh, individualistic, collectivist, yeah. and, he put, and he rates all the different countries in terms of how they fit on the sliding scale. Yeah, yeah. If you were look, to look at someone's culture yeah. and going back empirically, drawing certain pictures in terms of people, where they're from, is that so crazy? Like, for example, let's say if we, I were to get a certain amount of, of Muslims in the room compared to atheist um, white individuals, you could probably bank that just based on Islam and how closely Arabs follow it, they'll be have more conservative sex ideas than they would. See, this is exactly what the white, this is exactly how white mm. professors of the Middle East speak. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. So, so what, this is what I'm trying to say. And, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like, um, my, I'm able to know about this stuff, not because I, of what color people say. I know the institutions that are putting this in people's heads. Mm. So like one of the people- who Well, would you say what I've said is wrong then? Completely incorrect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't think that culturally people have ideas well, based on where they're from? Okay, so first of all, there's no such thing as culture. I know this is, okay. So all culture is, is an analytical category we invented as academics about a hundred years ago mm. for, for analytical purposes. So what we said was, look, you know, you see, you see how people dress, you see their values, you see the food they eat, you see all of that. What we're gonna do is we're gonna group it together for analytical purpose, for very specific research reasons. So we can do cross comparisons across states to see what we could find out. What then happened is, this is an analytical category. I can show you, I can send you, uh, from Max Weber to Karl Marx to the, yeah. the, the most prominent, we'll tell, this is an analyst we invented. It's not real. The West started to use it as a weapon against people. You just turned the Arab into a Muslim, just really quickly. You if you were older, 
in the 1970s, you would never have thought of the Arab as a Muslim. Do you know what? Yeah, you, yeah, it would have been Arab nationalist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You see? And they want you to keep us wedded. So the Quran has been 1400 years. They want this idea of we've been wedded, unchanged culture for 1400 years. The Islam that you see today, the Islamization of the Middle East took place in the last hundred years. Mm. Iraq, the Shiaization of Iraq took place between 1890 and 1905. The more dominant aspects of Arab culture are our tribes, yeah. not Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah, Islam. Yeah, yeah, I get These traits aren't bloody uh, Islamic, they're tribal. That's why I can, uh, I can mess with Nigerians, but, but, but you have that, a tribe. Isn't that more North African than um, people of the Levant? You have region? tribes, you have tribes. So I'm saying, but aren't North Africans more wedded to tribes than people of Levant? So like no, no, no. Algerians and Moroccans? No, Iraq's Moroccan. much bigger. Okay, fair oh. I didn't know that, I didn't know that. So, so, so Iraq, the tribe is bigger than your religion. So, so what we have is sometimes the. Well, doesn't Islam become come before everything? No, the tribe existed before. So, yeah. so the, who did the Prophet Muhammad go to war with? His tribes. Mm. The tribes refused. It wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the Christians. He went to war with. He went to war with the Muslims. They refuted everything he said because Islam is an alien idea in the region. But one thing I wanted to say, and obviously I, I get what you're saying in terms of constructs. Uh, it's di directly analytical, but same way like black. Black only exists because. The West created black. When you go to Africa, they don't Thank you. Yeah. Black there, you're Somali, you're, yeah. you're West African, et cetera, et cetera. But but it's one of the languages you speak, really. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. coming to the West, bringing that now, you would now, living in the West, blacks, regardless of where they're from, they will have likenesses that they would compared to being in a white man because they're living in... Babylon. So but that's not culture. That's that, so again, as Marxists, what we would say is like, as I said to you last time we spoke, why would I get along better with Tommy Robinson than Gary Lineker? Mm. It's because of the shame shared experience. Like, look, in the old days, when we would yeah, see, yeah, when we would see a, yeah. when we would see like an African dude, we never saw him as an African. We saw him as a guy, you know, struggling against imperialism. So when we met, we would meet essentially like, like in the old days, 80s and 90s, if you saw like an African dude, he had to be a professional. Why was he on a plane flying to Europe? You know what I mean? Like he had a job, he had a degree, blah, blah, blah. And you talk, and we didn't talk to each other on the basis of each other's cultures. We talk like every third world person. We talk about infrastructure, yeah. economy. The only people who talk about culture are Anglo-American Europeans. They use it as a weapon to uh, diminish you into this tiny little space. Whereas when you're not dealing with North Europeans and Americans, if you deal with me, I'm going to be talking to you about infrastructure, economics, how's your family, how's trade, yeah, how's yeah. the poor, mm -hmm. which that's what normal human beings discuss. Yeah. The culturification of like colored people where they've cashed you out into jollof rice. Everybody can say jollof rice. Nobody knows a 50% uh, that Nigerians have a life expectancy of 50. Mm -hmm. And this is the same thing that Louis Armstrong said. He said, the thing is with these Westerners, he didn't use that term. The thing is with these Westerners is they like the music, but not where it came from. Yeah. But that's why they talk about culture. They want to talk about culture, but without what the F they're doing. Culture is a tiny thing. Like, have a look at working class. You could go around the world where there's big projects. You have working class. Uh, Indians, Africans, Asians, they all work, they all hang and chill together because they're working together. If the working class experience is going to be much stronger than the cultural experience, much. And lastly, just have a look at the people who, uh, the color people were here, 50s, 60s, 70s. It's a slow process of turning them into N-words where they specify which aspect of their culture they have to embody. Yeah. They, the white person specifies it to you. Fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And then we do it for them. Like, I'll give you an example why I hate the jollof rice thing, right? First of all, don't you guys eat cassava more than jollof rice? Or am I, do you not? Yeah, uh, yeah, we eat pounded jam more than jollof rice. Like, yeah. But jollof rice is like a social party food, but in like someone's house, they'll probably eat pounded jam more. Right. Like, like yeah. Would you agree with yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what you've got now is you've got white guys who come around and go, oh, I love jollof rice. That now makes them seem like they're not racist. It's so racist. Oh yeah, like Caribbeans, like day to day, they don't eat jerk chicken like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a thousand other things they eat before. Yeah, they but why is the white guy, why is he, it's like, why are you talking about this one aspect of me? The 99% of the other stuff that goes on, you will never talk about. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, so, I, I'd never say to an Englishman, oh, fish and chips, if I meet them. But they would say to me, jollof rice. Right, I but we that. allow that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what Patrice is saying when he says about the phoniness of the They force us to act phony and then we do it. No more jollof rice. Enough of the jollof rice. 
You can't talk about jollof rice if you don't want to talk about what you're doing in that country. The French, the Americans, the Germans. I'm sorry. They, they tried the same nonsense with Iraq in the 90s, right? They were bombing the crap out of Iraq. And they go, oh, I really love Iraqi kebab. I really like Iraqi tipsy. It's like, listen, you want to talk about this? Let's talk about the sanctions and the bombings. If you don't, then we don't talk about the food. You can't get one without the other. They come together. Hmm. I think that was a good point to round off. So, yeah. I wish we could have gone on. I wish, I wish we could have gone on for longer. That. Uh, we're going to have to do a part four, man. <laughs> I got uh, a fair question. Yeah, like, got so I got many fair questions. questions, but I didn't want to like see when you're flowing, you're flowing, innit? <laughs> yeah, no, we have to do we have to do a part four. You have to do a part four. Sorry, Lars. No, no, it's fine, oh, don't, don't, don't say sorry. We've got more content, it will bring it back, man. But uh yeah, so that's the end of part three. There will be a part four. So everyone moved to Korea, that's the <laughs> that's the conclusion obviously. from Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Hyder, thank you, man. Pleasure, thank you. Big up Jill of Fries. <laughs>